You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Um, This will be your Friday episode of Locked On Browns. Always a blast to sit and talk with John Costco. It has been too long. I have uh, been looking forward to this one here. Uh, so we're going to get into some things here with John. Gets his thought, uh, get some thoughts here on camp, and you know, just trying to get everybody in here before obviously we start kicking off the 2020 Cleveland Browns season. Make sure you're following at John Costco three. Obviously, all the work over at PFF. Me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. The show itself at Locked On Browns. You guys know follow back account. Um, we're getting through and obviously we got through camp today, you know, limited today and the Browns were in a tough situation as far as maybe wanting to take the day off. But, you know, you know, these new teams, new regimes are behind the eight ball to begin with. Obviously with everything that went down Sunday, they weren't able to get the work in. So got out there, got some work in. And for once, John, it was actually a day where the offense actually did some things. Um, and this has kind of been the theme here, but you know, whether it was Case Keenum, whether it was Baker Mayfield, um, Look, it's not a shock that a new new that a new system within the offense struggles. Um, but you're nervous. I mean, it's Baltimore within two weeks. We know the capabilities of what these guys can do. So, you know, and the only way it seems to play with them at times is to outscore them. Yeah. Um, obviously with well, how the the twenty twenty year has gone, I think the issue for um teams mostly will be teams with new regimes and also even if you're not a new regime but you like offenses go off of timing and rhythm and being on the same page whereas a defense is more reactive to what the offense is doing so I think from the get-go you're going to see in the NFL um, defenses you know really rising to the occasion and offense struggling so it doesn't shock me and very much that you know the Browns and their offense throughout the start of preseason or the the training camp have struggled because of the fact of they just haven't had the time to put in and together as a team on the field, you know, in, in the mini camps, OTAs, and then, you know, they've only just gotten started in training camp. So um, yeah, they do need to get, you know, obviously get it rolling and um, you know, get on the same page. And I think they'll get there. I think this coaching staff is, is bright. And I think they're, they have it together. Cause I think what happened on Sunday where, it was, you know, it was a mess, obviously, because it was like, well, cancel, can, uh, practice is canceled, and they brought it back in, and so they were able to still do it and have practice again the next day, and um, they were they able to able to keep it organized. So I think that gives you a lot of hope as a Browns fan, thinking this coaching staff has it together; they can make it work for this team. And even if they are aren't, aren't all on the same page from the get go, they're going to have it on their base plays. And I think you've talked, you know, Kevin Stefanski has talked about that in the past about how they're going to have a base set of plays and they're going to build from that base and they're going to get that base. Right. And I think it might not, you're not going to have the whole, whole playbook early on, but I think uh, he's going to call plays. He knows that the offense can execute. I, you know, and I, I do agree. And it, it seems like a lot of it is, you know, it's the defense. And now when you see it, and even when it's the second and the third stringers, it's like, we've seen this. All right. I'm on this. Um, the only one they don't seem to actually be catching on to yet is the wide zone play action, you know, where the backside tight end you know, blocks down and then sneaks out, which the is, yes, it, which looks like it's going to be, you know, a- absolutely, you know, a bread and butter, regardless of what tight end it is running it. But also, though, there is this, I mean, 
with Kareem Hunt, and you know, we got to see him be you know be the focal point for a couple of days, and it, it shouldn't surprise anyone. I mean, we all know the player Kareem Hunt was you know, in his time in Kansas City, but also it's a we don't have to rush this because we can maybe just kind of keep it simple here and feature these two running backs and feature some easy play action throws, which should just make you know, I mean. It, with Odell on play action, I mean, that's a scary thought. And Austin Hooper, who the investment is high in, I mean, he's walked into this and it, I mean, it just, it seems like he's played with Baker Mayfield for seven seasons at this point. Yeah, I think um, um, keeping it simple is, is a great thing to do, especially for the fact, like we had, you know, talked about just not having the time together to be able to, to layer the, the, you know, installs on top of each other. They want to be able to get these down. And I think, you know, Kevin Spansky really understands the fact of, of making it simple and keeping guys, you know, getting the guys on the same page and being able to run your front and better, your bread and butter uh, <laughs> and about and just getting it down. And so I think, um, I think it's no problem at this point. I mean, I, I don't really get concerned with what preseason and even training camp looks like, because I we've seen it before where the, you know, Brown's, have looked really good in preseason. It looks like it's all together. And then the season hits and it's an absolute mess. So um, the opposite can be true as well. You've seen teams, they um, uh, they look like a, a complete mess in the preseason and then they go and run off to start to season eight and or whatever. Um, obviously those are, you know, teams that have like established or whatever, like the Peyton, you know, the Peyton Mannings and the, and the Tom Brady's and stuff like that. They can easily do that. But um, you know, this team, they'll, I think this team will be fine. Uh, and, and maybe, maybe they might not get a win week one against the Ravens, but you know, I, I would expect a clean disciplined product out on the field, at least that day. Uh, and you know, that's, you know, and, and maybe, you know, and I know a lot of people are nervous about it, but I mean, you know, they have the advantage, you know, obviously, you know, as much you know, experience they have with the Ravens, they did play them well, obviously, you know, for six of the eight quarters last year. But on the offensive side of the ball, and now this is obviously one of the key focal points of this season, and, you know, it still looks like Jedrick Wills is thinking as opposed to maybe just playing, which is 100% understandable with the transition he's making. Um, and, you know, every now and then you get a live bullet where all of a sudden, you know, you think maybe you're getting a little confidence going, and then Miles Garrett makes it back to practice, and you realize just how different NFL play speed truly is. But, you know, with J.C. Treader obviously missing time, you know, Nick Harris, you know, a lot going on. But, I mean, look, either way, earning valuable reps here. But Jedrick Wills, it's this is going to be a key to this in how quickly he can acclimate. And it's understandable if it is not a, a you know, a week one, week two. Well, wow, look at Jedrick Wills. He's fantastic. It's going to be a work in progress. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're switching from right side to left side. Um, and I, I think – I mean, you've you've heard offensive linemen talking about it, how it's just, it's essentially almost writing with a, your opposite hand, you know, your non-dominant hand. So, like being able to going from the, the right side to the left side and, and being that primary pass protector, um, it, it's a it's a tough transition, and I think he has the athleticism to do it. Um, it there's a learning curve when it comes to it, though, and and it, when it you know he if, hopefully what he is is average as a rookie you know it might have some struggles early on the year but as long as you see some progression there um i think that's what you'll be happy with and yeah with jc out for the you know with his with the, the knee scope or whatever 
um, and Nick Harris coming in there and, and starting. Nick Harris was was a stud at, at Washington in college. Um, I felt like he was a steal in the late rounds for the Browns last year. He was one of the best pass-protecting centers in, in college football uh, for two straight years, was one of the best wide zone run blocking centers. So he's a perfect fit for this, this offense. And so these guys, they're rookies and um, they're getting these valuable reps right now in, especially against some really good, uh, you know, defensive line or whatever. Uh, Jedrick Wills though, I think, you know, he, he might struggle early on, but he's, he has the athleticism, the, the quick hands, um, and I think he has the work ethic to to really, you know, get at least get there in, in time. Um, look, OTAs and obviously, you know, mini camps, all of that stuff certainly did him no favors because, you know, it's, you know, whatever drills you want to do, it's, but now it's, you know, actually seeing NFL players in front of you. So obviously it was going to take time for Jedrick, which is certainly understandable. But like we talked about the time at the selection, 10th overall, he's maybe asked to be the fourth or fifth, fifth best offensive lineman on this team. As a rookie in years past, past any Browns player selected at 10th overall was basically asked to be the franchise from the day they walked into the building. So, you know, you just hope with, you know, progression and reps and, you know, that will come. Offensively, John, has anything surprised you to this point? I mean, we've seen things like where it was a slow start for Rashard Higgins. Taiwan Taylor, who most people forgot was maybe still here, being involved in some aspect of this. Um, you know, Harrison Bryant and you know, David Njoku, it, it's always been this weird high, low relationship with David Njoku where you get like a Harrison Bryant where you don't hear a dang thing other than, you know, ball is thrown, 88, caught it, rinse, repeat. Uh, there's been some interesting things on the offensive side of the ball to this point that maybe some of us weren't expecting either this quickly or, you know, just expecting in general. Yeah, I think the Harrison Bryant thing is is probably the more – more surprising um, a rookie tight end into a system like this, that um, it's not an easy system for tight ends. It really, it really is not. And you have to be able to do it all. And he's been able to, to pick it up really quickly um, from, you know, from what we can see, all the, obviously all the reports and everything. Obviously we don't see every second of it, but he's, he's really um, been a standout there. Cause like, especially rookie tight ends, it doesn't even really matter what system you're going into. Um, they don't, it takes a few years to really kind of get the NFL uh, speed, the blocking and the, the, the pass catching and the pass protection and all the, all the different calls that they have to get into. So for him to be able to pick it up that quickly and the praise that he gets from the coaching staff, which I is not just, you know, fluff talk. I think it's, it's legit real talk. Um, I think has been the most surprising thing uh, so far of, on the offense in terms of what has transpired in camp. Yeah, and consistency. And, you know, he's been that way day in, day out. And obviously, you know, you hear from the coaches that say, you know, the work ethic is there. And for everybody, it's okay to have the work ethic. Sometimes you got to be able to translate it. And it seems, you know, Harrison Bryant, whether it was Zoom classes, whether it's these meetings now, he's able to go on the field and, you know, turn it into positives. And, you know, we knew they were going to play a bunch of tight ends as it is. Um, we know Austin Hooper is going to see every rep that he is able for. But, um, you know, there's a, a lot of fighting and clawing for, you know, what should be a lot of reps for those tight ends. And Harrison Bryan has certainly, you know, put his name into the ring for a significant amount of reps to this point. We're going to flip to the defensive side of the ball here. We're going to get to uh, John's thoughts here, you know, on the uh, Curtis Weaver move, um, you know, where you just, hey, I mean, if you got the ability to take a scratch off, you go ahead and do it. Got a couple of listener questions. We'll get to all that more here as we roll on through your Friday Locked on Browns. The improved Built Bar is even deliciouser. 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. 
six brand new flavors from the folks over at Built Bar. Built Bar, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and almond, almond apple, apple almond crisp. The 12 originals, chocolate almond, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, and of course, toffee almond and coconut peanut butter brownie. Look, guys, you know me. I am not a workout guy, but these guys, they pack a zinc. So look, if you can't catch a meal, uh, this gives you the protein that will substitute said meal. It just tastes good. So I appreciate the folks over at Built Bar for always taking care of us with this. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy and gal. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and they are great for the keto diet. An example here of the peanut butter, 19 grams protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams net carbs. Uh, value and nutrition and taste from the folks over at Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, and you will get $10 off your next order. Again, the promo code LOCKEDON, $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Free coolers available uh Free, cool, free coolers available with purchase while available. Again, builtbar.com. John, the defensive side of the ball. Um, I think this has been probably the more impressive thing because there are a lot of new pieces here. Whether it's on the defensive line, when you added another pass rusher, you, you originally added two def- defensive tackles. Your linebacker, either way, you, any way you slice it, your linebacking core for at least the first few weeks of this season is going to be brand new. Um, the corners were brought in. A lot of safeties were brought in. And having lost one of the you know high-priority draft picks and what they were putting on Grant Delpit's plate as far as learning everything, playing everywhere, a lot going on there. And I, I think it's great that they looked good through all of this. But you know, there's going to be some question marks once they start to dwindle this down a little bit to you know who are maybe the 17, 18, 19 guys who are mainly going to take reps. Yeah, um, defense is, like I was saying in the beginning, how defenses are probably going to be um, better than offenses early on in this season because of the all the, the redu- no training camp, uh, you know, reduced camp, training camp and all that stuff. Um, the defense's naps are going to look good in, in training camp as well. So, um, I think all the additions that they made were smart additions this, this offseason, uh, loading up on the secondary, loading up on the defensive line. Um, those are positions of that of most value to a defense. And so far in camp, they, they've shown um, why, you know, they've proven that theory kind of right there, uh, where you, you have a, a, a monster pass rush getting after the being able to get after a quarterback and wrecking off its line. And then you have a back end that can close it down. So. Um, and then they can what they can do in the run game as well is is, is really good. So uh, it obviously the loss of Delpit I think is is really really does hurt. You know Kevin Johnson with the the lacerated is it liver or spleen or kidney liver. or whatever liver. Um, that's that hurts because that's a veteran presence in that that defense that can make sure that people are on the same page, especially when it you know when you have a lot of new pieces on on that defense. Um, so there, you know, Carl Joseph is that guy, Andrew Sandejo can do that as well. So, um, you know, maybe Andrew Sandejo is cause he's a lot more reps than maybe previously thought because of the, you know, Delpit going down and who knows what additions that they'll make. But, um, the fact that they loaded up on the secondary to account for injuries like this, 
um, shows, you know, Andrew Barry was, was making a lot of good moves in the offseason. I, I would not put it past him to add a couple more people in the secondary. All right. Since you brought it up then, um, I, I have my favorite here. I know everybody loves to chase, you know, Earl Thomas, the name, and maybe there's the revenge factor of him sticking it to the Ravens. But if you're looking somebody, you know, for me, if you're looking for somebody, what you were going to maybe ask of Grant Delpit, there is somebody available. If, you know, you want to write a check for 10 million, maybe that's part of the case in Logan Ryan. But is there some thoughts here on maybe something that you think, John, you'd like to bring into the secondary? You know, to be honest, I actually hadn't looked into potential uh, people that they could have brought in. Obviously, Earl Thomas is a big name. Um, and while there is actually no football that's actually going on right now, I've been insanely busy with, with you know, a new project at PFF or whatever that we're doing. But um, I, I haven't – They, I think – I think whatever the moves that they do make, it's obviously they know what type of player they need to bring in, um, what type of role that guy needs to fill. Um, Logan Ryan would make sense for sure, if that is a veteran type guy to bring in. Um, I mean, even Earl Thomas, I, I don't know. Um, obviously, if the Ravens cut him, you know, there's obviously something, there's there's more, maybe more to it than, than just meets the eye, even with what we know from a public standpoint. So, um, you know, I think there's there's a lot of options out there for sure, and I, I'm, I'm I haven't actually looked at the list to be 100% positive on what what is out what out there and who they should really target though. Well, and the thing is though is you know, and some people are getting caught up with a little bit uh, you know of it being on the money side of the ball. Um, you already brought back three and a half million from Andrew Billings, so anything you maybe are paying somebody else, it's a question of say you're going to pay him nine million dollars. Well, are you com- comfortable with four and a half? Because you had three and a half committed to this roster already this season, and you are getting that money back. Um, Ryan, for me, it just, you know, this is kind of what he did last year for Tennessee. Um, you know, over 100 total tackles, you know, four sacks, I'm sorry, four and a half sacks, four interceptions, four forced fumbles. So it seems like it's, you know, if you wanted to. But this also, John, and obviously you folks over at PFF and, you know, with the analytic approach and the way you guys view things. Everything's for the long term. You put in a plan and say, this is our plan. We're going to stick to it. With the way this Browns front office is now currently construed, you know, how do you say to yourself, this is our plan. We are going to stick to it for years. And then all of a sudden, you know what? Screw it. Let's break out the checkbook. Yeah, that doesn't happen. It won't happen. (laughs) It just won't happen. I I think they have a plan. They know exactly the type of, budget they can operate in and they're going to stick to that so they're not going to sit there and go you know what screw it let's just burn up 15 million dollars for a a player because they think we think they can take us over the top you never see bill belichick do that type of operation um if they have injuries they're looking to bring in uh veteran guys that are cheap and can can jump in and, and learn the playbook quickly and i think that's the type of the player that that's the type of player that Andrew Barry is going to is going to bring in, um, and you know, obviously, you're not going to get much from them in terms of what they're looking for, but they they will be going for value um, because really, when it comes to when it comes to defensive football, and this is you know studies that PFF has, has done, um, it doesn't you're you're not defined by your star players. You're actually more defined by your fifth best player and like how good the you know that player is versus like even your, your star guy. Cause obviously we, you know, Browns have a miles Garrett, right? I was stud superstar. 
uh, player, but their defense isn't dictated only by him. Like there has to be other guys around him that have to perform naturally. We all know this. Uh, it's a team sport, but um, really like when you're back into that roster, if you, the fewer like just bad spots that you have, the better your team will be. So if you have a team, a bunch of a bunch of average to above average type players versus a, a team with a couple of superstars and a couple of really weak spots, they can pick up those weak spots and attack it. So um, veteran players likely aren't these big time weak spots that are, are trying to figure out the NFL game. They know what they're doing. They know what play, you know, positions they need to get into, how to, how to read offenses and what's, you know, the situation is. So I would expect the Andrew Barry to, to follow along the lines of doing something like that rather than going for the Earl Thomases of the world. Now, John, the former defensive back that you are, and now we got to see this a little bit this week with, you know, some of these, you know, obviously with Kevin Johnson out and Jay Stewart out and, you know, Greedy Williams dinged up. The Browns have whatever guy they're pl- they have playing cornerback right now is covering and they're covering well. And it, it's, it's certainly weird Cleveland Brown wise when you get to any positional group where you're like, well, all right, well, how the hell are we going to trim these nine guys down to six, um, you know, and Tavier Thomas, maybe he's one that doesn't get a lot of reps at corner, but I mean, it was his special teams prowess for the last two years speaks for itself. It certainly helps him um, that, you know, uh, Prefer is still here within this new regime. So maybe he can bet a name here, but there's a deep group there. And if for once, you know, the Browns may be able to sell a couple of things on Labor Day weekend, as opposed to constantly looking to maybe buy a couple of things on Labor Day weekend. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think um, uh, it's, it's it's a deeper roster than it's been, obviously. And you know, when you have a one in thirty one team over two years, you're, you're, <laughs> <laughs> things things are bleak, and you're looking to add to it to try to improve that. And I think at this point now, the Browns are on the opposite side of the thing, where they're they're trying to trim the roster of of you know some solid players. So um, it's a good problem to have um i think it you know uh opens up the door like some of these injuries as bad as they are it does open up the door for the like the you know thomas's of the world where uh yes his special teams his is obviously his calling card and maybe he just makes it on, on that virtue but the fact that they need that secondary help obviously boosts his value there a little bit too so um it, these guys yeah they 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 know how to cover. I think this coaching staff is doing a really good job coaching this, these guys up and switching up the defenses. And they'll, they won't just be playing man all over the place, but they'll be able to to confuse the offense and the offenses in a way. And and those these guys are um, these mid tier guys can can really provide a lot of value in that regard. Yeah, and I mean for guys like me and you, and you know, obviously following this franchise and covering it, it's it, it's refreshing as opposed to saying who's cornerback three. Um, you know, I mean, this is things we've gone through in the past and now it's, you know, and, you know, I, I've mentioned a couple of times and people want to go, I mean, like, I don't know what you do with a guy like Terrence Mitchell. Every time the Browns have asked on him, asked, you know, on him to expand his role. And even when he started in 2018, he's played well. Um, but now here he is at 28 years old and maybe he's your fourth or your fifth corner. And there's, you know, there's other teams that are now like the Browns are where Terrence Mitchell could probably be a starting cornerback for them right off the gate. So it's, it's, it's a great, obviously it's a great situation to have. um, But you also want to see, and now we'll get to see this with a modern day front office, one where we can all relate to it, where it's not, you know, well, that's my guy as opposed to, well, maybe 
so-and-so can equal to this, this, and this. So, you know, we have to address the roster this way. And, you know, for Terrence Mitchell, I mean, yes, he's still making plays, but his best value may be in getting another defensive tackle. It may be in case Mac Wilson's knee doesn't heal and you need one more guy in the linebacker room. Or can you maybe swap him for a safety? Or even if somebody needs a starting cornerback, they'll give up a third-round pick for that. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather keep Terrence Mitchell, to be honest, because um, – I'll oh, look at you. nobody, John, that's nobody leave his defensive back room. No, don't. I, yeah, I mean, uh-huh. I think the, the most valuable group of a defense is, is the secondary. And I think if – I think um, you saw it – there was – I think it was a fluke. It was against the Rams last year, week three. None of the starters from week one were starting in that game, and they actually played really well um, in that game. But I think at the same time, like – if you if you start dwindling that that roster and you start getting these types of injuries like already that we've seen we've seen it in the past with these guys getting these injuries you need to be able to load up on that secondary and bring in somebody that can can at least be average and that's what Terrence Mitchell is and he has he has he's average and will have really good play in him on, on his flashes too so the defensive line you can have get big guys and they can fill their gap and and Maybe they won't get after the rusher as much, but they're not getting after the rusher anyways. You know, Andrew Billings and Larry Ogunjobi versus like a guy that's, you know, below them or whatever, aren't getting after the pass rusher as fast as Miles Garrett anyways. And if Miles Garrett isn't getting after the pass rusher, you need that secondary to be able to lock it down. So those guys, I think I, I'm I'm on the board with, with keeping Terrence Mitchell and, and seeing what you can do because there's going to be some good defensive linemen that are cut on cut down day that you could potentially add because you need to be able to, to, you know, rotate those guys in and get that, that depth up a little bit. Well, and also the caveat to this is, you know, whenever you think you're deep somewhere and whatever sport it's within, it's always the, well, these things tend to work themselves out. Um, And we saw that early here where it was, you know, Donnie Lewis, AJ green, and now Tavier Thomas getting meaningful reps this week. We're going to get to one more thing. We think, we think that the, sorry, go ahead. You go ahead. You hold that thought one second. Right. Just a little bit more here. We'll get to John's point here. And obviously John's going to give us a little thoughts here on Curtis Weaver, who was brought in, but it's a new season, folks. Uh, the 2020 season is on upon us. You need apparel, get apparel. Where would you go? Zabo apparel, S Z A B O apparel on Instagram, on Twitter, go ahead and check them out. Zabo apparel.com. Uh, Brian and his family do a tremendous job. The, it is a solid product. I mean, I've had shirts over a year now. They stand up to a wash. The letters don't fall off. Trust me, you want to get geared up. You want to be ready for the 2020 season. The place to do it is Zabo Apparel. All right, John. I did not mean to cut you off. And obviously, no, we're really I- off our game. Our, our, Mondays, our, our Mondays for a couple of years now have been really, really smooth. It's been a while. Yeah. Go ahead and yeah. You wanted, you wanted to, to get – you had to get your, uh, your ad in there. I understand. I, I apologize, but um, yeah, like just like you said, we, the Browns think that they're deep at a certain position, a couple injuries, and then you decide maybe we're going to, we're still deep in this position. You trade a guy like the, the secondary, it was assumed to be a really deep position. You've already lost two guys essentially for the season. I just don't think that it's wise to, to keep depleting from that. You need to probably add to it, to be honest, um, because, because of, you know, you just never know. Uh, but what can happen at, at any position um, at all. So that, that's all. That's all I had to say. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, it, it's, it's, it's not a bad thing to be this deep at cornerback. And, you know, I mean, the MJ Stewart thing, obviously 
kind of fell into their lap. And I love the activity and the day-to-day tinkering. If you feel someone is better or you feel you need a need and, you know, whether or not anybody's nervous about J.C. Treader, the fact that they keep rotating in centers, even, you know, with Nick Harris, makes you a little bit nervous about week one or week two, whether or not J.C. Treader is going to be a part of it. But, you know, that's another thing to deal with at another time. John, one of the things, you know, and, you know, obviously, you know, our relationship and everything over at PFF, I have all the respect in the world for you guys. But one thing that we go through with this is we know that there's some NFL franchises that value your guys' work more than others. Um, you look at the Browns draft class. Now you look at a move and this, you know, the old unwritten rules thing that went on with baseball the other day or whatever. Normally you wouldn't do something like this, but you want to know what? Andrew Barry's 32, 33 years old. He doesn't give a crap about pissing in somebody's Cheerios. If you're going to try to take a shortcut and it's something that appeals to them, they're going to take the opportunity. You bring in a player like Curtis Weaver. And you know me as far as my thoughts on guys within the draft process. How did you test as an athlete? What we had on Weaver tested pretty good. All right. How'd you play in college? 34 sacks, three years in, you know, at Boise State. Okay. That's certainly something that, you know, intrigues. And then there is the other aspect of, you know, what kind of football player is he? Is he out for himself or is he intelligent and does his assignment? And Weaver added to a list of guys that you guys really, really liked that are currently part of this young regime of the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. So if you were to do a Google search for PFF and Curtis Weaver, you would come across an article of the top edge defenders in this 2020 draft class. Curtis Weaver comes in as number three in our, our rankings. He was number 26 as our big bo- on our final big board, but Number one, obviously, was Chase Young. I think everybody knows that. After Chase Young, it was a decently weak edge class. I think it had some good depth, but it wasn't like a – there wasn't – after Chase Young, there's no really top-tier talent. So, But even even so, there's a, art, a little graphic there that says, all right, Chase Young was the highest-graded pass rusher in the PFF college era. He you know, shattered our, the record that previously had held by Josh Allen and Raheem Bingham. But if you look down, number five overall is Curtis Weaver. And then you also look down a little bit further at number 10, Curtis Weaver. So he has two of the top 10 pass rush grades that we've given out in, in our, the PFF era. Um, you know, you know, Miles Garrett's on this list. Nick Bosa's on this list. Uh, obviously, I said, you know, Chase Young's on this list. So it's a list of really good players on on here that he's up there with. The one, Obviously, a, bit, a knock for him is that um, I think – his level of competition is, is was not obviously the, the greatest. He could beat weak offensive tackles with very few moves if he wanted to. He has he does have really good hands. Um, and I think I think the fact that he was able to win on a consistent basis probably will translate to the next level. I think there's you know, obviously there are reasons he dropped to the fifth round, but I think you take a flyer on a guy like this who was who was, you know, injury injury waved, um why not? You know, I think Andrew Barry made a good move there. Uh, stash him on your roster and IR for a year and see what you got with this guy. Um, because he, he, I think he has some pretty good upside in terms of his grades. And one of the most stable things that PFF has from our grades is our, you know, from college to pro is at an edge defender position from uh, if you, if you can win at the, at the college level, you can win at the NFL level. So he, he has a lot of things going in his favor there. 
See, and for me, the thing would be, you know, even if you wanted to say, oh, well, you know, he played in the Mountain West Conference. But like you said, he put up two. So it's not, it wasn't just like one year where, you know, he was at the end of his career there and he was just toying with people. He put together two years of that. Um, and, you know, for your listeners, if you if you wanted to say, maybe parlay him into, you know, what could he be? You could look within the Browns roster and you could look at, Olivier Vernon, who is a similar type in the fact that he grades really well. And I know you Browns fans get got disappointed last year. Uh, well, between the injury and the sack numbers weren't there. But we're talking about guys that are going to play next to Miles Garrett. It doesn't really matter how many sacks they get because Miles is going to get a boatload of them. So sometimes you need that guy who will stick with assignment and will stick with scheme and he could be that type, you know, you Porter Gustin's here, but at worst, John, this is a guy, he may never take a snap as a Cleveland Brown, but after a week, a week is way too soon to say you are done with somebody that you actually took with a draft pick. It's just for my, and Miami certainly look other teams. Maybe if you're the chiefs or you're one of the, or the 49ers, you're one of the top teams in this league. You grow up fed, fed up with somebody, and I talked with some Miami Dolphins folks, and you know that did seem part of the case. The Dolphins are nowhere near to the point where they can kind of say, you know what, we saw you enough. You know, we put a draft pick in you. We're done after a week. Yeah, the Miami Dolphins had the, I think the worst team grade, pass rush grade of the. In the I think NFL they had twenty two sacks. I think twenty two was all they had. And I think their best pass rusher was like a middle linebacker or something. I'd have to look it up. But they, they were not good at, at the edge register position. So the, it's kind of – it is odd that they did that. Um, but, I mean, why not take a flyer on a guy? I just don't – you know, a guy that was that ultra productive in, in college, um, you know, the, the tape is really good. Um, it's, I mean, yeah, his, his athleticism could be better. His body type is, is a bit weird. I think he could bend the he's, edge a little bit better. He's a little heavy for his height. That's the problem. Yeah. I mean, he's not even, he's like six, two and a half, but he's north of 260. You get yeah. that down closer to 250. Maybe it only makes him a, situ- a situational pass rusher, but that's fine. Yeah, maybe. And, you know, and he's at Boise State, and I, you know, maybe he gets into a better nutrition program and weightlifting program at the NFL, and he can, he can, you know, change his body type and everything like that or whatever and, and just become the player that you know you want him to be or whatever and even if he doesn't like again he doesn't take a snap for the browns it's like he was a he was an injury claim waiver claim like it's a it's free money yes and look as we've said um i, I would rather bank on maybe what he could be with his you know what he did in college as opposed to number 92 whose best game ever as a cleveland brown was because he got put out in the flat in a couple a couple of coverage assignments john Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Chad, Chad Thomas, a good old, good old man there. He hasn't, he hasn't translated yet. Um, who knows if he will. So he's just not, he's, he's not the pass rusher that you obviously need him to be to when you have to rotate in those guys um, might be, might be good for a snapper there just to give uh, Miles Garrett and the, the gang some, some, you know, breather before they're put in on the, the critical down and distances. Yes. All right, folks, we're going to put a bow on this here. Obviously, it's always a pleasure talking with John, getting his uh, you know insight here. Um, we talked on the offensive side of the ball. We talked on the defensive side of the ball here. We talked about you know how you can see 
starting to see where this Browns front office goes in valuing every aspect within player evaluation, which it, it, you know, for you older folks, I'm sure it's probably something you're not with. I mean, for us and, you know, even John and I, I mean, you know, we're not the youngest guys, you know, in the business, but being able to look at every part of the picture to make yourself the best decisions possible. And you're starting to really, really see that come to fruition. Um, obviously we'll see how it all plays out on the field here. Um, as always, check out, you know, John and all the folks over at PFF. Um, it's a valued resource within the business. Um, there's just no way around it. And, you know, for, you know, anybody who wants to take a shot, go ahead. I'll stand in line. Uh, you know, I'll back up John and I'll back up all the folks they do. Cause I will tell you right now, they are outworking you. Uh, <laughs> it's not watching a play and, you know, let me throw this gif up and get a hot takeout. It's I watched this play 17 times to make sure I saw it the correct way in the assignment. I see you, John. You got something to say. So, you know, I, I was thinking um, when you said it, we outwork you, it's like I, I work my I do work a bunch. Uh, and I don't know if people have noticed that follow me that I really haven't done much tweeting at all about football wise at all this summer. Uh, it's because it's just been busy. There's a, you know, even though there's no football going on, I'm, I'm constantly doing something to grind the film of just to learn the, the game a little bit better or something. So, you know, and, and also for the, for the consumer part of things, you know, we, we just launched our new college product uh, for those who would like the, the college grades or like the, like the NFL grades, but want it for the NFL. We have that available now on that, you know, going over to PFF.com. So, you know, all the hard work that we put into those college grade, you know, all the uh, grading and, and data collection and all that stuff is available. Same thing, you know, the premium stats and everything like that for college. Uh, so Guys, should check it out over there at pff.com. Yes, and check anything out through at John Costco three. The show you know at Locked On Browns. Me myself at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Follows all around, folks. Uh, folks, please and appreciate it. Enjoy your Friday. Enjoy your weekend. We'll just keep crushing it here on Locked On Browns because that's what we do. This has been your daily delivery of all things Oak Pound. LGB on the LLB. Let's go Browns. <laughs>